Navigating a public image can be challenging. Whether you're building a brand, rebuilding your reputation, or just trying to get on the radar, you need the public to trust you. But does the public trust anyone anymore? And has it ever trusted public relations? Welcome to Deep Dive, powered by Coldwater Communications. On this episode, why do we believe anything that anyone tells us? Quite simply, it's a matter of trust. And we'll go deeper on that matter right now. I'm your host, Tamara Stanners. Trust is so important. Our fundamental sense of security in life. Trust has always been far more difficult to earn than it is to lose. You can spend years cultivating trust with someone or something, but it can all be wiped away in an instant. These days, it seems like trust is even tougher to come by. Mistrust in the media. People distrust the news that they get. Trust in our government leaders, trust in governments, trust in NGOs is at historical lows. There's constant debate about who is telling the truth and how much of it is even being told. Bruce McClellan is the CEO of Proof Strategies, a Canadian PR firm that created the Can Trust Index as a means to measure trust in Canada. Welcome to Deep Dive, Bruce. Let's dive in. First of all, how does one go about creating trust among the public? There's been a lot of academic research into trust, and the uh, these smart academics have studied people and organizations, and the conclusion of several studies has been that there's something called ABI, ability, benevolence, and integrity. And those are the three biggest drivers of trust. So ability is, you know, if you buy a car, does it work? Does it perform well? Does it meet your needs to get you from place A to place B? Benevolence refers to the care and more the soft side of, of an experience. So for a car company, benevolence would be, did they treat me well when I made the purchase? Did they do a nice job of delivering the car to me and make me feel special and help me understand all the features? And then when I need service, do they treat me with respect and courtesy and kindness when I go into the shop? Integrity, you know, as you know, is how people conduct themselves. Are they honest and ethical? Is there a connection of values that drive decisions? And are they clear and transparent? Does the organization communicate its values to me? So those are the three most important drivers of trust. And I think when we talk about them, people readily understand and nod their heads. Benevolence was the word used by the academics, but nowadays I think the more popular word would be empathetic. And we've heard a lot about the importance of empathy during this pandemic. Proof Strategies is now seven years into publishing the Can Trust Index. Yes. I, uh, about eight years ago, decided that there was a need for a tracking study of trust in Canada. I felt that trust was very important and it was under a lot of pressure, but we really didn't have um, a tracking study that was unique to Canada. And trust is very situational. You can't assume that what makes people in Portugal or Germany trust is the same as what makes people in Canada or in the United States or Australia trust. So there's a situational aspect of trust and it's also tied to, to the local values. So we decided that we would create a uniquely Canadian trust study that looked at the unique aspects of our population, as well as included in the study are distinct institutions. You know, we have a governor general, we have parliament, we have the Canada Post, we have the Bank of Canada, we have 
Indigenous people, we have newcomers, we have Quebecois. There are so many things that make Canada unique. So we tailored our study to be a tracking study of trust in Canada about what makes Canada distinct. And we've now conducted it for seven going on eight years and are creating a really interesting body of knowledge and tracking on trust. So it's a contribution that we make. Um, It helps us be smarter as a public relations agency. But it also is a a study you just promote. We give it away for free. And every year, it's interesting to see who's downloading it and presumably using it in guiding their operations. What trends have you noticed during that span as to who or what the public trusts? Trust is under a lot of pressure nowadays around the world and including in Canada. So when we started tracking trust in Canada initially, uh, almost eight years ago, we found it was fairly stable. And for the first several years, it really didn't budge. But then in conjunction with a couple of things, we started to see a decline. And one of those uh, influencers was the crisis in the oil patch. You know, first the, the pressure in the, the global oil and gas industry, then the tensions around building of pipelines in Canada and whether or not Alberta and Saskatchewan could get their energy products to um, transport it to other markets. So we started to see a decline in trust, particularly in Western Canada. And that has unfortunately pulled down the national average for trust by Canadians. And now we have have a bit of an east-west divide where trust is higher in Ontario and eastward and lower in Manitoba and westward. And it's not a surprise because trust is often correlated with uh, socioeconomic optimism. So when people are feeling economic threat, or economic insecurity, they naturally start to lose trust in many things. So that's what we've been seeing in Canada for the last couple of years. The other big problem, and this is a global issue, is social media. You know, there's there's lots of good things about social media. We can, you know, check it and show pictures of our summer holiday or our grandkids to the grandparents and, you know, all that nice, those nice things. But there's a very dark side to social media and the internet. And we know that there's a lot of um, misinformation, disinformation, deliberately corrupting communications, and it's targeting citizens of democracies, including Canada. So now when we look at the trust landscape in Canada by political preference, we see that the people on the far right or the far left are the least trusting of Canadians. Uh, And a perfect example is the people who vote for the People's Party of Canada, which, you know, in the last federal election was about 7% of Canadians, they have the lowest trust scores that we've ever seen. And it's because they, for whatever reasons, legitimate or otherwise, have become so just disengaged and jaded about everything, the economy, our political system, our political leaders, uh, our institutions, that they're not believing anything anymore. And I, I also, you know, I'm quite sure that they're receiving a lot of hate and misinformation via the internet, which is reinforcing their views. And then, of course, it becomes an echo chamber. How has the pandemic influenced trust? Well, it's been interesting. It's been the best of times and the worst of times for trust during the pandemic. One thing that we saw very quickly was Canadians place enormous trust in medical doctors, and scientists. And this is a good thing because these are educated people who are driven by facts, making decisions based on facts and statistics and and real knowledge. And 
they've always been well trusted by Canadians. But when the pandemic hit, we saw a spike in trust in these two groups to really stratospheric levels that we'd never seen before. That's good news. The problem is that people have been worn down by the pandemic. You know, it's gone on. There have been wave after wave. The great promise of vaccines, it came. Over 80% of Canadians got vaccines. That's high trust in vaccines. That's, that's great. And it links to that trust in science. But people kept getting sick. Restrictions remained. Even now, there are you know, requirements for testing and things that you have to do before you can travel or go to certain places or send your kids to camp. So people are tired. And we've seen pandemic fatigue translate into lower levels of trust. Not so much for science scientists and doctors. They're not quite at the same high level as they were, say, in 2020, but they're still high. But there's been a real decline in trust in government. And I think people are, are just really tired and fed up. And um, they've seen governments act at different speed with sometimes relaxing rules, then returning rules. And it's been hard on people. You know, it's been hard on political leaders as well. I don't think it's been an easy time to manage government in a pandemic. And then, you know, we have to also recognize that science can be messy. These scientists are studying a virus in real time to understand what it does, how it evolves, how variants emerge, what those variants mean. It's by no means easy to track a virus for the scientists. So all of this has led to people feeling a little doubt about everything. And that's brought on lower trust. This year's study finds that trust in government at all levels is down significantly. Uh, what kind of problems does this create as we try to move forward as a country? Let's you know, be clear that there's still a lot of Canadians who do trust our institutions and our system and our, our leaders. But there's a, a growing small minority at the right and at the left who don't have such great trust and who will not regain their trust for the same reasons. So what I mean by that is, you know, we see low trust among people who are supporters of the Green Party. Well, their low trust is driven by fears around um, climate change, by a lack of adequate response by governments or politicians or corporations to address climate change, by pessimism about the state of the world's environment and where it's going or what might be coming. But then on the right, You've got people who feel that government is too intrusive, who don't want to pay taxes, who don't want to be vaccinated, who don't want to uh, have to um, register their vaccine records before taking a flight. Those are two groups on opposite ends of the spectrum where we won't rebuild trust with either of them for the same reason. It'll take different things. And therefore, you know, we'll never have 100% trust in our society as long as um, these kind of views are held. The problem is that social media, you know, runs algorithms that tailor information to reinforce the existing views of people. And if you think that Canada has lost its freedom, Facebook will be sending you messages about why we've lost our freedom. And it becomes very uh, self-fulfilling and corrosive. That's why I say that trust is under a lot of pressure. It's not easy being trust these days. This one's near and dear to me. Trust in journalists and media has plummeted in recent years. And I think that's contributing to the finding that more Canadians believe our communities have been further fractured during this time span. It's a great point. Uh, and, you know, you're right. We've seen a decline in trust in the media. It actually started well before the pandemic. It has been fueled, I think, by the pandemic. And the decline has steepened. But 
the decline in trust in the media goes back before uh, 2020 and COVID-19. There's so many reasons behind it. The pressures on the news media, you know, the fact that Google and Facebook have been vacuuming up all the advertising revenue in the world, causing traditional news outlets to either have to reinvent their business model or, in many cases, go out of business. As they've reinvented their business model, most of them have had to slash their newsrooms and staff. So I think that the public are seeing that the news media is operating as a shadow of its former self, often you know, with less senior experienced journalists, often with fewer journalists in order to cover the news, and also having to sort of contort its behavior to compete and this is an area of, of judgment where, you know, I'm not a media owner, so I, I can't be sure of the best approach. But when we see the news media starting to imitate social media, I think it almost is counterproductive to their trust levels because people are starting to think, well, they're not very serious either. So why should I trust them? There's also, you know, the fact that headline writers are being given license to write headlines that maybe attract readers and eyeballs but maybe more uh, extreme or hysterical or edgy or, you know, don't help trust and credibility. Sadly, what we've seen happen in politics in the last decade or so has been a deliberate effort by the right to attack elites as they define them, attack the news media, to discredit facts and information to further their own political agenda. So in the case of Rupert Murdoch, you have somebody who has taken over media outlets and made them more of a political voice than an independent news gathering organization. But you also have politicians like Donald Trump or many, many, many others who don't give a speech without saying the media, don't listen to the media. The media are bad. Um, The media are wrong. The media are lying. It is part of their narrative to discredit the free press so they can build a base of followers who will not be influenced by facts and independent news gathering. It's a really perverse and corrosive way to build your campaign and gain power. But unfortunately, it's been happening now for over a decade, and I don't see it going away. And we still we see it here in Canada nowadays as well. Trust has become politicized. A person who votes liberal or for another middle-of-the-road party is more trusting than a person who votes conservative. That is unfortunately how trust has split by political um, uh, allegiance now in Canada. People who are voters for even, you know, the Bloc Québécois in Quebec are more trusting than people who vote for the Conservative Party of Alberta, for example. How does the news media begin to build back the trust that it once had with Canadians? Well, I think you see some business models of media outlets that are working. So, you know, The Guardian is a still very trusted news organization, and it operates partly by charitable donations. The Walrus Magazine in Canada has created a charitable foundation to fund its operations, and it maintains high trust levels. The Winnipeg Free Press is an interesting example of a newspaper, a city daily that has gone independent and now operates um, on a business model that includes donations as well as advertising and subscription and is operating not too not too badly. The New York Times has you know, also figured out ways to boost subscription and maintain advertising. And they've just recently had the biggest increase in visits to their website in their entire history. And it was all because they bought Wordle. 
One of the key parts of trust is agreeing on what are your values and how do those values drive your decision-making and your communications? And are you transparent about them? People tell us in our research they are more likely to trust an organization where they feel they share values with that organization. What's the ramification for the public relations industry, which is built on facilitating the process of bringing credible stories to various platforms? Well, it's a great point. Anecdotally, public relations always has had somewhat of a pejorative slant to it where people think, oh, you know, this is a public relations disaster. Or they put the PR guy out there because, you know, they were afraid to talk. You know, it's used in pejorative ways often. When I, I, I just read an article recently where it talked about a public relations disaster, well, it's actually a management disaster. Management made bad decisions that are creating a reputational crisis. That is not a public relations disaster. That is a management disaster. <laughs> but many journalists love to dismiss or belittle public relations, and they do that because of their sense of get to the truth and righteousness. But unfortunately, I don't think they help our situation, even though we try to help them. There's good lawyers and bad lawyers. There's good accountants and bad accountants. And there's good public relations people and not so good or bad public relations people. It's Every profession is going to be like that. I consider myself a trust builder in how I, how I practice public relations. I'm not sure not everybody does it that way, though. In this year's study, it's interesting to see the relatively high degree of trust that people have in the leaders of the companies they work for. How does that affect what employees expect from their bosses in 2022? The pandemic has put a real emphasis on empathy for employers in how they interact with their employees. And our CanTrust Index in 2022 showed that employers are doing a little bit better in terms of trust by their employees. That suggests that they have understood the importance of kindness and empathy during this pandemic. It's been a very difficult time. Some people have had to, you know, manage their kids at home doing online learning instead of going to the classroom. People have had elder care responsibilities with elderly people who are, you know, very vulnerable to COVID and have to, you know, receive extra support or extra precautions. It's been a very stressful time for Canadians during the pandemic and the wise employer has been sensitive to that stress and made concessions and accommodations to support people. Many companies, you know, went to a work from home model. But, you know, there are other businesses or government services where working from home is not an option. People need to be frontline in the in the workforce, in the workplace. So those people have needed other forms of support and empathy from employers. So it would appear that Canadian employers have been doing a good job. Maybe it's our empathetic nature as a people that they've done a better job than we might have feared during the pandemic at showing empathy and therefore building trust. It'll be interesting in the coming years to see if it's sustained and continues or even can grow. Hopefully the pandemic has made employers smarter about how to interact and support their employees. And that's also been fueled by the fact that there's a shortage of labor. Everyone, every industry I talk to is having trouble filling all their vacancies. So that makes employers hopefully a little more in tune and savvy about how they can keep their people happy and not see them go to a competitor or even leave their entire industry.
So there's there's been a few pressures underway in the last two years that should make employers think more carefully about how they interact with their employees and find ways to build their trust. That would include employee surveys that get at trust, you know, asking employees about their values, asking about what they'd like to see in the workplace, asking about their confidence in management, their confidence in their own manager, as well as the CEO. Building trust is a team sport. It is not the CEO's job alone. The CEO must model the behavior, must be clear in what they're doing and walk the talk and build trust themselves. But our research tells us that trust is also very much tied to the person's interaction with their own direct manager. So the CEO's job is to walk the talk and model trustworthy behavior, but also to train every single manager in the organization to lead a trust-building approach in how they interact with the people that report to them. Only then will you have a trustworthy organization as a whole. Thank you so much for joining us, Bruce. This has been an eye-opening conversation about the current state of public trust, and it leads me to another complicated question. If public relations is constantly working to influence the way the public views a story or to influence the public's behavior, can PR ever truly be ethical? We'll dive into those murky waters on the next episode of Deep Dive. Subscribe to Deep Dive for new episodes every month. For more information and social pages, visit coldwater-communications.ca.